0: Okay, praise the Lord. All right, we'll get started. Hey, uh, let, I'm going to start here in, in Luke chapter 6. And uh, this is where they, you know, Jesus was, the disciples were walking along the grain fields, breaking off the heads of grain. I know you've heard this a, a bunch of times. Anyway, so they were walking through the, some grain fields and they were breaking off the heads of wheat, rubbing off the husk in their hands and eating the grains. Well, so what? Well, I know, but then you get some people who've got religious ideas and stuff, uh, and especially when they think, uh, you know, we haven't even in our city. You know, we've got, we've got different folks that, you know, believe you should be doing this and that and whatever. So watch what happens. Some Pharisees said, that's illegal. Your disciples are harvesting grain, and it's against the Jewish law to work on the Sabbath. Now, before I go any further here, we're reading the book of Luke. Now, we're in chapter 6 here, but if you'll notice, you Chronologically, obviously five, four, three, two. See, this is actually a historical account. Let's just catch chapter 1 just a moment. Dear friend who loves God. Let me switch this to the King James. Sometimes we wonder, what's all that? For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth the declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as, though, as they delivered them to us from the beginning, which were eyewitnesses, ministers of the word, you know, uh, it seemed good to me, having a perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write these in order, O oh, most excellent Theophilus. He put this together for some guy. Watch what the Living Bible has right here. Ah, excuse me. Oh, oh, close that down one more time. There we go. He says, uh, however, uh, well, I left that part out. Here we go. Several biographies of Christ have already been written, using as their source material the reports circulating among us from the earliest disciples and other eyewitnesses. However, it occurred to me that it would be well to recheck all these accounts from first to last, and after thorough investigation of summary, uh, no, to pass this summary on to you to reassure you of the truth of all you were taught. My story begins with a Jewish priest, Zechariah. And I'm going to speed ahead. That's John the Baptist's birth, chapter 2, the Christmas story, Caesar, Augustus, all the world's going to be taxed, you know, and Joseph, and they go, and then there's the the uh, the angels, uh, you know, they, they show up on the hillside to the shepherds, suddenly an angel appears, you know, don't be frightened, don't be afraid, I bring you joyous news ever announced, it's for everyone, so, I mean, you wouldn't think that takes place today in Christianity, in America. Almost like today, if there's any bad news, it's God, he's against you, that's, that's we have gotten so far away from the Bible, it's ridiculous. This is good news for everybody. Okay? And he says, yes, the Savior. And he's called a Savior. Oh, wow. And if, you, if you'll watch the track record, starting from Luke 1, 2, well, actually, when he's after in Luke, uh, as we progress here forward, there's nothing he's doing but saving men and women everywhere from all their little problems. And there's not any information, hardly, about going to heaven because that's taken care of. That's taken care of. The focus is not even, you know, uh, oh my gosh, you know, we all need to be better people or something. I'm just going to sift through this just a little bit. So that's chapter 2. We already know Jesus is born. Okay. Uh, now he's going to be presented in the, uh, well, actually he already was. Oh, uh, uh, Here's a sample of John's preaching. He was preaching right along there. And of course, then you pick up in the fourth chapter. Uh, Jesus is in... Temptation here, well, Satan's trying to tempt him, whatever. And right after temptation, he goes to, uh, uh, he goes into. Let's see what he does here. Uh, He returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit, and soon everybody soon became well known throughout the region for his sermons in the synagogue. Everyone praised him. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his boyhood home, he went up in, in the synagogue on Saturday, stood up, and here's the thing we need to catch: to read the scriptures. Okay. That's the reason your own personal Bible reading is fantastic. That's what's going to help us. Okay, he took the book of the prophet Isaiah that was handed to him and he opened it to the place where it says, the Spirit of the Lord's upon me because, and we've heard this a million times, okay. But it's interesting what he said. Preach good news to the poor. What, is he racist or something? That is a financial term. A poor man thinks he's going to be stuck. What's good news to a poor man? He can always get a handout. So it's not, hey, good news, we got a soup line down the road. That's not good news to a poor man. He wants to get out of his problem. Something about Jesus gets you out. Well, yes. Hallelujah. Uh, and notice this. Heal the brokenhearted to announce oh, oh the, uh, rele- the captives shall be released. The blind see. All these things is what Jesus was doing. And God, look at this. And God was ready to give blessings to all that come to him. Now, in King James, it actually says to proclaim the year of jubilee, but we don't know what the year of jubilee is. We just say, oh, okay, it's something. If you had a debt, it was canceled. My goodness. And other great things. But anyway, he closed the book, handed it to the attendant. Now, let's just say he's doing this to us today. While everybody on the synagogue gazed at him intently. Now, remember, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I love his picture up here. Romans, I mean, excuse me, Revelation 3 says that's him. He's standing right beside you right now. Actually, we're behind that door, and it may as well be locked, you know, and it may as well be chained up because we don't realize who he really is out there, unless we're saying, "Lord, I, I know who you are, and I know you're going to help me this week." And he will. He closed the book, handed it to the attendant. everybody's looking at him, and look what he says: "These scriptures came true to you today, and that's the same way the Bible is for you and I as well. All that spoke of him were amazed. Now look what now they're going to make a big mistake here, and we can do the same thing. And even while we're listening just a little bit here, you know, I mean, it's all about Richard. No, it's not. It's all about the scriptures, you know. Watch the scriptures. All who spoke well of him were amazed by the beautiful words that fell from his lips. Actually, what they were actually saying is they couldn't believe what he was saying because if you look at the context, look at this. They said, how can this be? This is Joseph's son, you know. And you can even, and if you pull this back down to yourself, you read your Bible and you go, How can this be so? I mean, I'm just Richard. I'm just so and so. I'm just Bob. I mean, I don't know. Don't do that. Watch this. Then he, then he said, Probably you'll quote me this proverb Physician, heal yourself. You're know, always sometimes boils down to healing sometimes. That's what trips us up sometimes. And, and what's so funny if you'll watch your own unbelief? You'll believe everybody else will get healed but you. But you've got to trust the Lord that He'll heal you. Why do you say that? Well, it's pretty obvious. <clears throat> you ever see Jesus sick? That would have been nice. He could have used a nice little lesson, you know, become a better Christian. No. The only time he bore our sicknesses is when he died on the cross. Look at this just a moment. We'll switch over here just to uh, uh, the book of Psalms, which is actually, I like I say, it's prayers here. But look at this, Psalm 103. Look what David wrote down. David wrote this down here. Notice what he called it. He said, I bless the holy name of God with all my heart. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. Okay, same thing. Yes, I'll bless the Lord. Look at this. And not forget the glorious things he did for me. No, oh, excuse me. Does for me. What is it? He forgives all my sins. He heals me. Two big things that we trip over. Condemnation. We condemn ourselves all day long. Well, I'm not the best Christian or whatever, and I guess. Then I'm just. And we want to do our own penance and have the worst week in the world when we shouldn't. Notice this, he heals me. Put this in the King James just a moment because we've heard it a thousand times. Notice what he says. He says, bless his holy name and forget not all his benefits. Now notice he's talking to himself. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to himself. Who forgives all thy iniquities, heals all thy diseases. Now look how long the list goes on. He redeems your life from destruction. This is what you see in the life of Jesus constantly to all those around him. He satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. But let me rewrite that according to day. When it rains, it pours. When things get bad, it gets worse. When I have one problem, I got a dozen problems that 's not what Psalm 103 says, and that 's what David said he had to start telling himself. He said, "Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, because I want to feel like it 's all falling apart. I want to feel like things are never going to go right. Notice how far he gets right here. He says, "The Lord's gracious and slow to anger. He will not always chide, neither will he keep his anger forever." Look at this. he 's not dealt with us after our sins. Problem is, we do. We want to punish ourselves. We want to say, God's not that merciful. He won't heal me. He won't do this. He won't do that. He won't help me financially because I've not been the best Christian. Would you drop all that? Your penance won't get you anywhere. It's not going to make God impressed. It's not going to cause him to heal you either. Praise the Lord. It's all mercy, 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 mercy. I'm going to speed ahead just a moment. We're right close here in Psalm 103. But uh, look in Psalm 103. I'm going to go to 143. Here's another one by, uh, by David. And watch this. He says, uh, let me put this in the, uh, uh, in, the, in the Living Bible just a moment. Look, it says, hear my prayer, answer my plea, because you're faithful to your promises. Look at this. Don't bring me to trial, for as compared to you, no one's perfect. That's all you need to say. Don't go into this big diatribe about, I know I'm not very good, I know this. Look, and he left it. He left it right there. My enemies chased and caught me. They've knocked me to the ground. They forced me to live in darkness like those in the grave. I'm losing all hope. I'm paralyzed with fear. But look at five. I remember the glorious miracles you did long ago. I reach out to you. I thirst for you as a parched land thirst for. Come quickly answer me for my depression deepens. Don't turn away from me or I'm going to die. Let me see your loving kindness. Look at that time frame. It better be by morning. (laughs) But we have God on his own timetable, and he will help me in his own good time. I need to find my stuff now. I mean, Donna, even this morning, was trying to find, she couldn't find her her charge card. We've had that mail. You were talking about, I mean, Joy, you were talking about that the other day. You find your car keys or whatever, and I am too. I'm like, where is this stuff at? But praise the Lord. The first thing out of her mouth, when she found it, she was, hallelujah, praise God. Do you think God wants to hold back on that? He didn't want to hold back on any of that. All the time, God wants to bless you. So he goes on and says, Show me where to walk, for my prayers are sincere. And here we go. Save me from my enemies, O Lord. I run to you to hide me. Help me do your will. You're my God. Lead me in the paths of it. Look at this. Look at it. We wouldn't say this in America for nothing. We would just say, you know, if, if you want to, Lord, you know, you can help me. But look what he says. He says, I'll make a deal with you, Lord. If you help me, this will be good for you. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Saving me will bring glory to your name. Bring me out of all my trouble. For you're true to your promises. All right, now I'm going to skip back to where we were. Let's go back to, uh, to the uh, the book of, uh, uh, the book of Luke here. All right. Anyway, the book of Luke. We were at chapter six, and it's a constant back and forth here of uh, the Lord blessing the socks off of people. I'm going to just pick it up in chapter five just a moment, then I'll speed back. Watch this. Five, of course, is. Uh, Oh, uh, right ahead at 6. No, let me, let me skip to it. Hang on. Here we go. All right. One day he was preaching on the shores of the lake of, uh, of Genneset. Great crowds pressed in to listen to the word of God. All right. see. So you wonder what he said. Well, guess what? They're not going to tell us what he said. They're going to tell us what he did. He noticed two empty boats standing at the water's edge, some fishermen washing their nets. He stepped into one of the boats. Jesus has Simon, his owner, to push out a little bit into the water so that he could sit in the boat and speak to the crowds. When he had finished speaking to Simon, but I don't know what he said. Well, no, but let's watch what he did. It's okay. See, sometimes we get, a, we get upset that God's blessing people too much, you know. No? He said, uh, now let's let down, let's go out in the deep and let down your nets and you will catch a lot of fish. Now, Jesus, please, please, Jesus, you got to understand sometimes things don't work out. Oh, I don't see that with Jesus. It always works out. And he's with you. Notice how close Jesus is with Simon. And watch what Simon does, what I was trying to refer to. We talk ourselves out of these blessings. Watch this. Sir, Simon replied, we worked all night long and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, we'll go for it. At this time, their nets were so full, they began to tear. A shout for help was brought to their partners to the other boat as soon as the boats were filled with fish on the verge of sinking. Now, that's a bunch of fish. Peter realized what had happened. Look what he did. And I want you to notice Jesus ignored it. He fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, sir, please leave us. Uh, Jesus, go away. I mean, mean, I'm just not ready for all these blessings. I mean, I know you say that, but... What, uh, hold up a minute. He needs you. Do you notice that? He does need you. We have this mentality that Jesus can do without us. Well, that's not what he was doing here. Leave us. I'm too much of a sinner for you to hang around. For he was awestruck by the catch of their fish, and so were the others with him. So that meant James and John were doing the same thing. There, there it says it, verse 10. His partners, James and John, uh, uh, sons of Zebedee, Jesus said, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for the souls of men. As soon as they landed, they left everything and went with him. Now, notice this. I won't know what happened between verse 11 and verse 12. Nothing. Verse 12 happened. One day, in a certain village, he was visiting there, and a man was in an advanced case of leprosy. Well, he had an advanced case. When he saw Jesus, he fell to the ground before him, face upward in the dust, begging to be healed. Now, I don't need to know this story because it doesn't affect me. Oh, yeah, it does too. It does. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We just had a boatload of fish. That would catch your attention. It caught those fellas. And they were in the fishing business. Okay? It wasn't a tornado wiped them out. So Lord's will wiped out both boats and they didn't have nowhere to go. So that's what we'd ride it today. Well, lo and behold, there's a guy. Where I'm going to take a chance and follow Jesus. I'm going to take a chance. We're not taking any chances with Jesus. It's constant blessing one after another. Anyway, sir, if you only will, you can clear me of every trace of disease. Boy, Jesus reached and touched the man and said, now you wouldn't want to touch that stuff, but Jesus didn't care. He said, of course I will be healed. Now, from here on, it's just a, a downhill slope. He's doing that all afternoon long. Jesus instructed him to go without telling anyone what had happened and be examined to the high priest, offer the, what was required by the law. Anyway, let's keep on going here. Verse 17 we still don't have anything, but well, let's finish verse fifteen. The report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him and to be and hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. Too bad he doesn't do that today. Yes, he does. All the stories we have in the Old Testament and stuff. Hezekiah was told he was going to die, but praise the Lord. <clears throat> anyway, now that puts us in the sixth chapter. So here we go. One day, as Jesus was walking with us, uh, the disciples through the grain fields, and we know what happened. They're starting to. Eat the grain, and they say, Hey, that's illegal. Your disciples are not supposed to be doing that. He said, Have you not read? Haven't you read what King David did and his men when they were hungry? He went into the temple and took the showbread, the special bread that was placed before the Lord, and ate it. It's illegal. And he shared it with others. Jesus said, I am the master even of the Sabbath, or he's Lord of the Sabbath. In other words, he can actually decide what people do on the Sabbath day. He was actually just telling these guys that they were way, way, way off base. Now, before I go any further, look at verse 6. Now, here's a guy that's got a deformed hand. Now, I'm getting a little offended seeing all these blessings take place that I can't get a hold of today. Yeah, these blessings are yours. But I want us to go back here. Notice it says, Don't you read the scriptures? Well, what was the story? Well, we're not going to read that story, but we're going to read one story. uh, And we're going right straight back to where he talked about David. And so let's go to 1 Samuel. And 1 Samuel here, I want us to go to, uh, it just so happens in Daniel chapter, I mean, excuse me, 1 Samuel chapter 17, that's where uh, Goliath and that story took place. David killed Goliath. Now, here's what happened next. Right after he killed Goliath. Now, remember, David's just this young fellow. After King King Saul had finished his conversation with David, in other words, David was standing there with Goliath's head in his hand. What do you want, boss? (laughs) I got your giant for you. David met Jonathan, the king's son. And there was an immediate bond of love between them. Okay, these two guys, good friends. Jonathan swore to be his blood brother and sealed the pact by giving him his robe, sword, bow, and belt. King Saul uh, now kept uh, David with him and wouldn't let him return home anymore. He was Saul's special assistant and he always carried out his assignment successfully. Now, what's up with that? Well, it's the same thing happened with Joseph. And when you read the Psalms about David, David always blamed it was the Lord blessing him. And that's what we have today. Anyway, he was Saul's special assistant and he always carried out his assignment successfully. So Saul made him commander of his troops. Wow, what a little guy. And appointed him, an appointment that was applauded by the army and, oh, I think it's the general public. Yeah, general public alike. But something happened when the victorious Israeli army was returning home after David killed Goliath. Women came from all of the towns all along the way to celebrate and to cheer for King Saul. And they were singing and dancing for joy with tambourines and cymbals. I well, can't blame them. I mean, the Philistines were probably nipping them constantly around the edges. And now it's over with. David got involved, and the great victory took place. Now, here's what they said. However, this was their song: <laughs> Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. I mean, however you want to put that. Happy birthday to you! You know, Saul has slain his thousands. You know, David his ten thousands. Oh man, that just irked Saul. But I want you. Before we go, we let's get part of that story. This is a good point. Well, Saul did by the hand of the Lord. He was blessed. And he got his thousands. But look who else did something. And look what was taking place. See, this is abundant life. David, what? His ten thousands. Now, that's a shocker. No, it's not. It's not a shocker if you'd read through and read over there in Deuteronomy that one guy could send a a thousand to flight and all those kind of things. I mean, it was your enemies are coming against you one way. Deuteronomy 28, they're going to split and they'll go seven. Of course, Saul was very angry angry. What's this? He said, they credited David with ten thousands, and me only thousands. Next, they'll be making him their king. Well, that was going to happen. We already know. But anyway, now who's to blame for all of that? Well, the Lord was, the Lord was helping him, but you got to slip your feet into David's shoes and be just like him. That's why we had the details. After all, Jesus said, haven't you read? Because the disciples were breaking into all that stuff. And the Lord said, Hey, did you read? Anyway, from that time forward, Saul kept a jealous watch on David. The very next day, in fact, a tormenting spirit from— whoops, I skipped ahead a little bit. Excuse me. Oh, um, let me back up. Here we go. Yeah, a tormenting. Oh, uh, well, I skipped it again. Hang on. Uh, there we go. Yeah, he kept a jealous a watch on David. In fact, the next. Uh, in fact. Anyway, the next day, a tormenting spirit from God overwhelmed Saul, and he began to rave like a madman. David began to soothe him by playing the harp, as he did whenever this happened. But Saul, who was fiddling with his spear in other words, he's cleaning his gun, whatever you want to say, okay. Suddenly, it hurled it at David. Well, man, I tell you what, everything's great. What's up with this? Well, this guy's trying to kill him. That's what's going on. But if you notice what happened, sure missed him, didn't he? David wrote about that. It's all for us too. You would would be shocked. I mean, we're all alive today. If you backtrack in your mind and you just think about where you were, where you are right now, the Lord has kept you safe too. And you ought to know in the future he's going to do the same thing. David jumped aside and escaped. This happened another time. Saul was afraid of him and jealous because the Lord left him and was now with David. Well, it would be nice if God was with us today. Now, wait just a minute. That angel that was on the side when they said, I give you good tidings of great joy. You know, they were told that his name's going to be called Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? Well, it doesn't mean Emmanuel. It means like a book. It means God with us. And there you have right there in Revelation 3. And Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And for him to have lost his ability to do what he did for these guys here is ridiculous. Anyway, Saul banned him from his presence and demoted him to the rank of captain. Oh, man. It ain't over yet. Watch what happens. But the controversy, look at this put David more and more in the public eye. David continued to succeed in everything he undertook because the Lord was with him. I wonder if he's with me today. Of course he's with you today. And you're reading like Jesus said, did you read about David? And that was a story when Saul, it's actually four or five chapters later, but we're reading some previous ones. Anyway, when King Saul saw this, he became even more afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved him. Do you know the Bible tells us that we have favor? I mean, I've had some things go crazy and whatever. My fact, Dustin told me a story early this week, and, and it was only because of favor that thing turned, that financial situation turned things around for Dustin at UAH. It was, it was just amazing. We both were just talking and we were going, you know, that, that was just a miracle. Okay, one day Saul said to David, uh, I'm ready to give you my oldest daughter, Mary, for your wife. So he had promised him that when he had killed Goliath. But he said, first you must prove yourself to be a real soldier fighting the Lord's battles. Now look at this. This guy was trying to get him killed. Notice this. Saul thought to himself, I'll send him against the Philistines and that'll kill him. Well, that's our trouble today. Sometimes we think, you know, there's so many people out to get me. There's so many. We can get depressed at work, get depressed here, get depressed wherever because we're thinking, Lord, I can't keep up. Oh, Wait a minute. I'm on the right track. Lord, you kept track of David. You kept track of all these other things and all the bad guys that were working against him and helping him. You'll do it for me. So King Saul said, I'll send him out among the Philistines and they'll kill him. I won't even have to do it. And who am I that I should be the king's son-in-law, David exclaimed. My family's nothing at all. But when the time arrived for the wedding, Saul married uh, uh, Adriel, a man from Maholath, instead. In other words, he he said, well, you're not going to get this girl. Well, you know what's going to happen. He's going to get Michael. In the meantime, Saul's daughter, Michael, fell in love with David. And Saul was delighted when he heard about it. Well, there's no such thing as love stories. I mean, love stories, that's, that's vain, that's vanity. The Bible is full of love stories. Praise the Lord. Watch this. And David was involved in this one. Anyway, but he says, here's another opportunity. I can get him killed by the Philistines. Yeah, it's a love trap or whatever. And see, I mean, you can be in love and think, well, I guess I shouldn't have been in love, you know. If I wasn't in love, I could have been listening to the Lord better. Don't worry about that. All that stuff takes care of itself. Just serve the Lord. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Be reading your Bible. Pray about stuff. Watch this. David said, you can, he said to David, you can be my son-in-law and I'll give you my youngest daughter. Oh, uh, Then Saul instructed his men to say confidentially to David that the king really liked him. Oh, yeah, the king likes you. Oh, yeah, really and that they all loved him and thought he should accept the king's proposal and become his son-in-law. David replied, How can I, a poor man, uh, unknown family, find enough dowry to marry the, the 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 daughter of a king? When Saul's men reported this back to him, he said, Well, tell David that the only dowry I want, in other words, the only money you need to pay here, is I want 100 dead Philistines. Well, guess what? David just leaped at this, and he goes, 100? I'll get you 200. First off, these are encounters and fights. But David's like, are you kidding? Remember how he killed Goliath? He didn't get weary now and go, well, you know, that was a lucky shot. He said, you come at me with a sword and a spear, but I come at you, what? In the name of the Lord of hosts. Who is this uncircumcised? In other words, no covenant, no no. He has no connection with God. That this clown should defy the armies of the living God. David was in the armies of the living God. And when he had his top 30 and his top uh, uh, 100 and all those group, when they were all, remember we studied it before, they were all called the army of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, David David doesn't miss a lick here. We're not supposed to miss a lick either. And if you think about the 23rd Psalm, it's exactly the same thing. Yea, I walk to the valley of the shadow of death. I'm not going to be afraid. Thou art with me. Not that you get company when you get your head blown off. You're not going to get your head blown off. How could that happen? He makes you lie down in green pastures, leads you beside the still waters. Surely goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. Okay, so here's what happened. He says, I need a hundred dead Philistines, the king said. Vengeance on my enemies is all I want. But what Saul had in mind was that David would be killed in the fight. Oh, really? That's not what David thought. Look at this. David was delighted to accept the offer. So before the time limit expired, he and his men went out and they killed two hundred Philistines and presented their foreskins to the king, to King Saul. You know what that was? I mean, they cut something off and gave it to the king in a big pile. <clears throat> anyway, he became. So what happened next was he became immensely popular with all the people. He became. Uh, anyway, he became even more afraid of him and they grew and grew to hate him. with Every passing day. Whenever the Philistine army attacked, David was more successful against them than the rest of Saul's officers. So David's name became very famous throughout the land. What's David mean to us today? Well, Jesus is called the son of David. Okay, These things can't be myths and legends. they got to be the truth. Now, we'll go right into the uh, 19th chapter and we'll stop right here. Saul urged his aides and his, and his son Jonathan to assassinate David. I mean, boy, this is unending. Trying to kill him, trying to kill him, trying to kill him. But now remember, don't separate yourself. Don't even separate yourself from Jesus and say, well, just Jesus had a free ride. No. Jesus said, the works that I do shall you do also. It was a total template for the way we're supposed to be living our lives. And here's David. Jonathan, because of his close friendship with David, told him what his father, father was planning. Tomorrow morning, he warned, you, warned uh, you must go into hiding out in the fields, and I'll ask my father to go there with me, and I'll talk to him about you, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you everything about, uh, that I find out. Now, this is not the story about the bow and arrow. That's going to happen a few scriptures later. This is another one. The next morning, Jonathan and his father were talking, and he spoke well of David and begged him not to be against David. Now, now can you see this? This is the king's staff and stuff. Trying to push back, don't be so mad at David. God's doing this for you constantly if you'll watch at work or whatever. I mean, I, I've dreaded some stuff at work this year. It was incredible, and and you gotta quit thinking that you gotta have. Uh, I just need to get a hold of this person. I tell them, and I'll tell, and w- because. Actually, in the back of our mind, we don't think there's no such thing as angels. We really don't think Jesus ever existed. We, didn't, we didn't really don't think these, these stories, you know, the Bible's a myth. That's because we keep hearing this stuff. But this stuff is real. And behind the scenes, here's Jonathan. How close is he to this guy by the name of Saul? It's his son. Man, I would listen if Dustin wanted to tell me something about somebody I was angry about. Dustin said, say, now, Dad, look, come on. I'm like, well, how do I mark off Dustin? Dustin knows what he's talking about, you know. But if you're David, you're the outsider who is basically, a, who's David to the king? No, it's who God is to David. That's what matters, praise the Lord. And you've got God. You can't lose for winning all the time. Anyway, he's never done anything to harm you, Jonathan pleaded. He's always helped you in every way. Do you see how the Lord's fighting your battles? He's coming right to the source. And he says, have you forgotten how he risked his life to kill Goliath and how the Lord brought a great victory to Israel as a result? You were very happy about it. Why should you now murder an innocent man? There's no reason for it at all. Okay? Finally, Saul agreed. As the Lord lives, he shall not be killed. <laughs> of course, that wasn't going to last long, he, but, he, but watch what happens. Jonathan called David and said, told him what happened, and he took David to Saul, and everything was as it had been before. You know, hey, it's great. Oh, maybe it's the Lord's will. It gets a little good, then it's a little bad. No, nah, don't, don't even think about that. You've got protection from A to Z all the time. But, of course, it's going to get bad here. Watch what happens. War broke out. David led his troops against the Philistines and slaughtered many of them and put to flight their entire army. Now, where's the part that we lost? We didn't lose nobody, praise the Lord. One time when Moses, they were almost to the promised land. Remember, Moses was not going to go in. But just before they had attacked the Moabite army or whatever, God said, go get them. And they wiped them out. And they brought back all the booty. They brought back all the money and and Moses said, most of the money goes to the army that did this. Half of it go, no, half of it, a portion of it goes over here. But the generals came back and the generals said this. And this actually states this, okay? The generals came back and said, Moses, we had this great victory and we just did a count of all the soldiers and guess what? We didn't lose nobody. Now, why did we need to hear that story? Well, I'll tell you why we need to hear that story. Psalm 91 is true. 1,000 fall to your side, 10,000 at your right hand, it won't come nigh you. Guess what those generals did? Keep pulling my wallet out. Those generals said, look, uh, we didn't lose a single soldier. And here, we've got uh, some more offering we want to give. And they gave that into the, ta- or the, the tabernacle. Moses took it. And they had the exact count of how much it was. Stories, details, places, these things happened. But anyway, that, isn't it great? So this is a no-brainer. Of course they slaughtered the bad guys. Of course. Anyway, but one day, oh, man, Saul doesn't, he, he can't keep his word for nothing. Jealousy was coming up. He was listening to David play his harp. Suddenly, the tormenting spirit from the Lord attacked him again. He had a spear in his hand and hurled it at David in an attempt to kill him. But David dodged out of the way and fled in the night, leaving the spear embedded in the timber of the wall. Wow, he must have really flung it at him. Anyway, Saul sent troops in the morning to watch David's house and kill him. Uh, When he came out in the morning, if you don't get away tonight, Michael, that's his wife, warned him, you're going to be dead by morning. Now look at that. This woman's helping him out. What's she helping him do? Stay alive. We're not going under. This is, well, let's just include chapter 17, Goliath. Goliath didn't kill him. Chapter 17, we just read. No, what are we in? Yeah, yeah, uh, 17, he didn't get killed. I mean, 18 didn't get killed. Here we are in 19. He's totally invincible. You ever heard that verse, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world? Hello, yeah. And who's getting the credit for all this? The Lord is. It's not like, we just have a special guy here by the name of David. This will never happen again. No. This special guy, David, is special because of the Lord. The Lord loves David, loves Saul too. Saul just wouldn't listen. Anyway, Michael's wife says, look, you better get out of here. She helped him. We're about done with this chapter. Watch this. Oh, and she let him down through the window. Then she took an idol and put it in his bed, covered it with blankets, uh, with its head on a pillow and goat's hair. Now, let's don't pass that a moment. Whoa, 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 whoa. Took an idol? What? Yeah, I'm telling you, these were not the most holy characters in the world, you know. <clears throat> Saul would run off to soothsayers. The nation of Israel was still worshiping idols and stuff, but that's why David's so important to us. David was like, I don't need no idols. I don't need anything but Jesus. And he'll get me out of trouble. Anyway, when the soldiers came to arrest David and take Saul, guess what? He wasn't there. You know, this same similar story happened to a guy in the book of Acts, Paul. He was let down through a window. They came as a mob to get him. And he got away. You're going to get away too. She told him, oh, he's sick and he can't get out of bed. Saul said, bring him in his bed then and we'll kill him. So can you imagine what happened? But when they came to carry him out, they discovered he was not idle. Apparently the sheep fell off a little bit and said, wow, this is a doggone mannequin. And he says to his daughter, why did you deceive me and let my enemy escape? He demanded of Michael. Michael said, well, he he was going to kill me. (laughs) Meanwhile, what was happening to David? He got away, didn't he? In all that, David there, look at that. In all that, in that way, David got away and he went to Ramah to see Samuel. And he told Samuel what Saul had done to him. Samuel took David with him that night to live in Naoth. When the report reached Saul that David was in Naoth and Ramah, he sent soldiers to capture him. But when, they, but when he arrived, he saw Samuel and uh, the other prophets prophesying. The Spirit of God came on them and they began to prophesy. Whoa, 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 whoa what, what now? These soldiers went to get him. And when they get close, they get caught up in a church service, you could say. I mean, they're out there prophesying. What's all that? Well, it's just the Lord speaking through you, telling you good things. Oh, I'm going to prophesy the doom and gloom of America. No, that's not what they were doing. It was great things. <clears throat> the book of Acts says when the Holy Spirit came upon, they were prophesying. And what were they doing? They were speaking the wonderful what? Works of God. Praise the Lord. This is a funny story. This is the end of it. Watch this. Knows we're at the end of it. When Saul heard what happened, he sent other soldiers, but they too prophesied. You see the exclamation point? That's what the story was about. You can't beat David at all, and you're not going to beat you either. Nobody is, praise the Lord. The same thing happened a third time. Three sets of soldiers, and now King you-know-who's going. Look what happened. Then Saul himself, he went down to Ramah and arrived at the great well of Saku, when, where is Samuel? And David, he demanded. Someone said, "Well, they're over See, I mean, Saul was like, I'm going to kill him myself. And what does he do? He gets wrapped up in it. Look what it says. But on the way to Nath, the Spirit of God came upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy. He tore his clothes and lay naked, all, lay naked all night long. Whatever. Look at this. Prophesying with Samuel's prophets. Saul's men were incredulous. They're going, What's going on? That's the last verse. What they exclaimed? Is Saul a prophet too? <laughs> Your enemies are going to fall before you. It makes no difference. Oh, Last thing right here. I was going to cover this, but I'm not. I'm just actually going to just lead right to it. We'll just look at it, just a piece of it. Psalm 16. Notice what David says. Save me, O God, because I have come to you for my refuge. I, I said to him, you are my Lord. I have no other help but yours. I want... The company of godly men and women in the land. Uh, They are the true nobility. Those choosing other gods shall all be filled with sorrow. And I will not offer sacrifices as they do. uh, Nor even speak of the names of these other gods. He says the Lord himself is my inheritance. He's my food, my drink, my highest joy. Look at that. He guards all that is mine. And I tell you, I hear people, you better lock that up. Well, I would lock stuff up. You know, whatever. But but I also know Jesus is right there. He's going to take care of everything. Look at this. He sees that I am given pleasant brooks and meadows as my share. What a wonderful inheritance. Oh, he's talking about heaven. No, he's not. We've got the history. This was now. I will bless the Lord who counsels me. He gives me wisdom in the night. He tells me what to do. Boy, I wish we had that today. You do. It's a new Bible. It belongs to you. Heart, body, and soul are filled with Joy. For you will not leave me among the dead. You will not allow your beloved one to rot in the grave. King James, that's prophetical about Jesus, but it belongs to you too. You have let me experience the joys of life and the exquisite pleasures of eternal of your own eternal presence. Now, where's the bad part of that? There's not a bad part, praise the Lord. There's not. And there won't be a bad part for us today. he's going to bless us the same father, we thank you for your word today we thank you If we're not feeling good, you'll take care of that. It's terrible to have a wonderful day, beautiful day outside and maybe our knee be hurting or our heads hurting our ear problem or whatever any annoyance whatsoever. We're going to just do what David did praise the Lord and we're going to do what you said Lord. have you not read about David? so you'll take care of that no matter what it is you're our healer. Father, same things true financially. if we're struggling financially, you will fix that it makes no difference and if it's not even money or, or, or related to our healing it's just some problem. We're just bugged to crazy about this problem. Lord, I know you'll get us out of that. And that did not leave anything left, but for us to leave a trail of what you've done for us and tell others about it. For us, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Well, amen. Everybody have a great rest of the afternoon. Grace, you blow my candles out for me. The wife's soul